The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. In my first half hour, I'm talking to Laura Holmes Hadid. Her book is This is Cancer. Everything you need to know from the waiting room to the bedroom. Laura Holmes Hadid is the author of Anything with Chardonnay, A Guide to Other Grapes, and she's co-author of several other books. After a three-year battle with breast cancer, Laura began writing about cancer and speaking about patient advocacy. When she's not writing, she's hiking, paddleboarding, reading, cooking, or swinging on a rope with her kids. And she is very, um, very much involved in really patient advocacy. And she is, she was a caterer in Northern California. She moved to New York City and became an assistant cookbook editor at Simon & Schuster. So she's very familiar with writing and with food and cookbooks. But now she's taken to the pen to write this wonderful book called This is Cancer. Everything you need to know from the waiting room to the bedroom. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me. Good. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? It's actually Haddad. Haddad. Okay. Yes. Laura Holmes Haddad. All right. Yes. So what I what I'd like you to talk about is you know you were you were so familiar with writing because as an editor you know you're looking at mistakes and <laughs> grammar and all the time and content. <laughs> so because of that, was it easy for you to write this because you had that background? It was. It was easy in the sense that I had always gone to writing as a source of comfort. Um, I kept a journal uh, during my cancer battle, and it was just something that came naturally to me. So when I wanted to do something helpful and pay it forward, my first thought was a book. Mm, Yeah. And how did you decide to structure the book? Did you, I mean, how was your decision making on that? It actually became clear very quickly that I wanted to break it up into three sections, which were uh, diagnosis, treatment, and survivorship, and really give equal weight to each of the three parts. Oh, which is great. So the first part is about survivorship? We actually start with diagnosis. (laughs) We start with diagnosis. you know, getting the news, um, how the many players, as I say, that you'll meet in cancer land, the language of cancer, um, then moving to treatment, um, the various aspects of treatment that you might encounter, um, and finally into survivorship, which often people um, think of as just kind of an afterthought, but it's really such a significant part of the cancer diagnosis, especially as younger people are being diagnosed 
we are survivors, you know, thankfully, but there are a lot well, more survivors. You know, yeah, I was going to say something about that. You know, when I kind of made the mistake and said, with survivorship first and it's last. But in a way, you do become a survivor as soon as you're diagnosed, right? Because you've got to make a decision then. You do. I mean, somewhere in there, you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to make this work somehow. What do you think? That's, that's such a great point. Um, I don't think I thought of that in, <laughs> in the middle no, of, no, of course, my but. diagnosis. I mean, you definitely need to shift that fear into hope and say, you know, my, one of my first thoughts was, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not ready to leave this planet. I'm not ready to leave my kids. Um, and so I think you're so right. You really need to say, you know, mentally, even if it's just to yourself, I'm digging in. I'm going to become a survivor. Well, I think that's very important. So let's talk about the first part, which is the diagnosis. And how, um, you know, how do you... How do you handle that or what, you know, your thoughts on that? I think what surprised me the most um, was how many emotions would be part of the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, in, especially in this, in this country, we have a certain view of cancer or an image of, of how we'll respond in a life crisis. And I was surprised and shocked, really, of how long it took me to accept the diagnosis. Um, and how many other emotions, like I, like jealousy and fear and hope, but the jealousy the, um, of, of healthy people, um, the betrayal I felt of my own body. Um, and I think those are important points to bring up. I mean, obviously, important points like getting a second opinion and, um, and how to stand up for yourself as a patient. But the emotional side is just as important. Mm-hmm. What, would you, what would be your advice to people? going through this and hearing the diagnosis? I would say first, buckle up. It's going to take probably longer than you think, um, physically and emotionally. And Mm -hmm. second, I often say, you know, to people who ask me and friends and family, let yourself feel those feelings. I think so often people's first reactions and the first thing they say is, it's going to be okay, we're going to fight it, and all these very kind of cheerleader phrases, you know, and it's very hard just to say, you know what, I need two minutes to say, this is awful. This is Mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. And just let yourself be there. And then, as I say, like, get out of the pity party and get on with it. Yeah, I I think that's such a good point. You do hear that a lot. You know, oh, we're going to do it. Don't worry, we're going to make it. And it, 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 you know, it's, it's shocking to the system on many levels. Yeah. Yes, and they, you know, the people around you, they're coping with their emotions. And so, you know, obviously it's a good sense of goodwill and good wishes, but being told you're a warrior, fight, this constant kind of um, warrior language, it can be very overwhelming, especially in the beginning where you're you're just kind of trying to find your bearings. Right, right. Do you think that people should reach out to someone who's had this? Um, What... What did you do, and what would you say would be helpful and comforting? I found it comforting to tell my family and friends. I know that's a, you know, it's obviously a personal choice, but I lived um, at the time in a small town, so I wanted everyone to know what was going on, um, particularly because, you know, I have young children, and I wanted 
um, everyone to be aware of what was going on. Um, I also felt very comforted by emailing other survivors and patients, um, not necessarily hearing stories of, oh, my aunt had this and, you know, my uncle had this. That wasn't particularly helpful, but I found it helpful just to talk to people who were actually going through it. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't you think that happens, though, because people don't know what to say and they want to be helpful, but they don't know what else to say? Oh, there's no question. And I always say I didn't know what to say. I don't know, you know what I would have done if my sister was diagnosed. Um, but now I feel, and I tell everyone, if you don't know what to say, say that. Say, I don't know what to say. Send a card that just says, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. Um, that's yeah. the most yeah. basic wonderful thing to hear when you're trying to handle this health crisis. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This is a different thing. I'm thinking when you said that, you know, my daughter will often say to me, Mom, you don't have to try to fix it. I don't, you don't have to give me an answer. Just tell me you're here. Just tell me, Woody, ask me what I need and that you're here. And it was the same kind of thing. Oh, what a wise daughter. I mean, what a beautiful thing to say. I mean, that's (laughs) really the essence of being human, right? That we just want someone to be there with us and, and sitting alongside us um, yeah. when but we're it's hard facing when, a challenge. I think when you're a parent or you're a family member, you want to, you know, you want, oh, well, we're going to do this and I'm going to call this one. You know, I'm going to make sure we do this. And, you know, the person sitting there going, no, yeah. I don't need that yet. <laughs> oh, your so, instinct, of course, is to fix yeah. and, and the yeah, people around you, your parents, your siblings, your family. Um, and I found the reactions and the people who were most comforting were a little bit removed. You know, they didn't have yes. so many yes. emotions yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about the helpful. treatment and how you handled that. Did you have chemotherapy? I did. I had um, almost three years of chemotherapy um, on and off. And I also had... Uh, almost uh, about 41 days of radiation therapy um, and then I also had uh, surgical um, a bilateral mastectomy with 19 lymph nodes removed mm. Wow! so I hit all three of the top you know cancer treatments yeah that's what would you say to people there what would be your um, message uh, first of all stay off the internet um, do not look up things, um, particularly the photos, no images. Um, mm. it, it's so scary, and you don't know. You know, every case is different. You don't know what you will need. Um, and I remember, obviously, your fear is overwhelming um, before each treatment, um, but I found it helpful, again, to talk to people who, in my immediate circle, you know, whether they're in support groups or other physicians can talk to you in a more rational way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, again, to have, you know, your people, your person who can come with you to all the appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's very difficult to be a patient and advocate for yourself, especially mm-hmm. if you're really in a lot of pain or physically, um, you know, not able to communicate. So make sure you have your person. Okay. All right. Before we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about survivorship and uh, how can people get your book, Laura, and be in touch with you. 
The book is available anywhere books are sold in paperback form. It's also available as an ebook, um, as well as an audio format, um, which I find you know was really helpful That's when I was great. there. Uh, yep, and my website is laurahomeshadad.com. Okay, and I know that in the book, um, you said you have one recipe in the book, but you also have um, a lot of places people can write notes. It's, um, I just think the food aspect is, it requires its own show. Your food journey during a cancer treatment yeah. is yeah. is very complicated, um, but this one recipe really got me through. <laughs> All right, and I know when... Uh, when we come back, I think, no, we have a minute. I think we talked about, you said it was ginger. It was something ginger. They were ginger cookies. Um, and I got the recipe from a chef that I worked with on a book in Seattle. And they're just these incredible, he calls them ginger crinkles. And they're a little bit chewy. And then the ginger can help with nausea. And there's a little yes. bit of sweet in there. And it's very comforting. And they're easy to make. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, my guest is Laura Holmes Haddad. Her book is This is Cancer, Everything You Need to Know from the Waiting Room to the Bedroom. And she uh, had a three-year battle with breast cancer. She uh, has been an editor, an assistant cookbook editor at Simon & Schuster for years. And now she's writing her own books. She's written many but her newest book, again, is This is Cancer. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show, and we're right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Okay, and we will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com If you're considering adoption, there are a lot of questions that you may have which need to be answered by families that have adopted, by the adoptees themselves, and by professionals. Tune in to Adoption Unscripted with your host, Micah Johnson. We bring you many of the answers you're looking for. There are so many resources and advocates in the field of adoption. It's a life-changing experience across the board. We hope you'll tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are talking about cancer, how to survive it, and then how to have a life in which you can thrive afterwards. My guest is Laura Holmes Haddad. Her book is This is Cancer, Everything You Need to Know from the Waiting Room to the Bedroom. And Laura Holmes Haddad was diagnosed with stage 4 inflammatory breast cancer at the age of 37. She struggled to find straight talk about what to expect. As she transitioned from treatment to survivorship, Laura wrote This is Cancer so that other patients and families would have the guide that they need. This is created for those who prefer their pathos with humor, reality, and a touch of flair. And that's what this book does. It's an overview of cancer diagnosis from treatment and clinical trials to exercise, parenting, and the myriad of emotions that you will feel along the way. And Laura was an assistant editor of of cookbooks at Simon & Schuster for years, so she really knew a lot about writing. She's the author of several books that are very much about wine and food, and now she has written this brand new book, which is called This is Cancer. Welcome back, Laura. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk about um, survivorship and the emotions that you go through. Yes, I, another element of cancer that I didn't think would come with so much attached to it. I thought you're patted on the back and um, you're done, but it's so complicated to transition from treatment into survivorship, um, especially with things like fear of recurrence, um, the follow-up exams um, that you will have, um, as well as the, um, the physical side effects. Um, from treatment that you might be facing for years afterwards. Yeah, so that's, um, so unpack that for us a little bit. How do you, how did you get through that part? Um, For one thing, I didn't realize that I would be in the medical system for so long afterwards. You know, you think, Mm. oh, I'm, you know, no more appointments and (laughs) my life won't, hopefully be ruled by um, medical appointments, but the follow-up um, obviously is an important part of preventing recurrence, um, is being monitored, um, as well as the physical side effects. For example, I had my ovaries and my fallopian tubes removed um, because of my risk of ovarian cancer, and so I woke up from surgery in medically-induced menopause. Um, and obviously, going into menopause has a lot of side effects, not only physical, um, but then emotionally. Um, in addition, I had you know, a bilateral mastectomy, and that had 
you know, lifelong, has lifelong consequences, not only um, physically, but mentally. Um, my role, you know, as a woman and, and my self-image. Um, and that was a lot that I had to turn to and look at after I was out of active treatment. Mm. And was there, were there issues with family in terms of how you felt about your body, any of that? Oh, it, um, it came up and continues to, you know, come up, not as often, but um, it, I didn't think it would take so long to accept my new body. I didn't think my physical needs, such as I need to take a nap every day, um, I can't do, you know, the 20,000 things that I used to be able to do um, on a daily basis. I have to slow it down. And then having your family adjust to that, you know, have your family... And your friends realize that, you know, the treatment may be over, but you are most likely going to be a different person. Um, mm-hmm. And that transition can be difficult and, um, and take some time. Did you have reconstruction? I did. I chose to have breast reconstruction with saline implants. Mm-hmm. That, does that make a difference? That has to make a difference in how you feel because I would think you feel more uh, the way you did before. Yes, I because I have young children and I have a daughter. That was the choice that I made um, of feeling like I could be somewhat of my old self, um, and mm-hmm. that I could physically be, you know, playing with them and be active with them. You know, hopefully for decades. Um, but it is, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, there's, you know, pain and there's, you know, all these. Um, side effects from surgery um, and it it just is something that I think people, uh, that women need to think about and really um, take their time and don't feel rushed into a decision. Yeah, very important. What else, Laura, is that you want our listeners to know that you think is very vital, things that really helped you get through this? I feel so strongly about having patients realize the importance of finding your voice and taking part in your treatment. And, you know, it may sound, um, it it may sound so easy, but it's not, uh, especially if you have any sort of discomfort, you know, speaking to doctors or, or just speaking up in general. And so finding your voice, but also finding that person who can help you advocate and who help you participate in your health decisions. Um, and, and along with that are, you know, the financial aspect, you know, making sure you have someone, um, whether it's at your health insurance company or the hospital, help you plan for the financial side effects, um, as well as if you don't feel emotionally that your needs are being met, seek out therapy. I can't say how important that was to find someone to talk to um, you know, throughout these stages of a cancer battle. Yeah. You said that before, that that's really critical. Yes, yes. All right, I know we're not going to talk much about food, but um, give us some just general tips that you found were helpful about food. I think it's good to know going in that you don't know what you'll be able to tolerate. You don't know what you'll crave. Um, The physical changes from treatment, such as uh, mouth sores or um, just general discomfort, can affect the things that you can eat. Um, And so knowing that, knowing 
stocking the fridge and freezer with a ton of options is really helpful. Um, and then on the flip side of that, which is such a special memory for me, is that my whole community brought food to my family for 365 days. They filled an igloo cooler that was on our porch, um, and they filled it with meals. And that meant so much, um, you know, not only to me, but for my kids, you know, would open the freezer like, or the cooler and say, what's for dinner? Um, and if we didn't, you know, feel like it that night, there were other options. And it was just a really beautiful gesture um, that helped us, you know, helped fill us up emotionally and physically. Mm, which is which is really helpful, but it sounds to me like what you're saying is don't be too fanatical about food. Is is that right? <laughs> yes, I mean I think everything you know all bets are off. Um, once that cancer diagnosis comes, um, obviously you want to you know stay healthy and and do what you can. Talk to your provider about um, meal suggestions and getting you know, your nutrition nutritional needs met. But at the same time, there are just going to be days where you just need to get something in your body. Um, so you need to be flexible. Okay. All right. Closing thoughts for our listeners. What do you want to leave our listeners with? I want to leave them with the notion that no matter how dark it may seem, you know, there are people out there that can help you, um, whether it's emotionally or financially or with resources. There is so much out there um, that you just need to find it. And also the medical research in the cancer world right now is remarkable. Um, so just be open to, you know, seeking out new treatments, um, speak to your provider, um, and don't take the first no. Yeah, which is, which is really, really important. All right. Um, tell us about how we can get your book and if people want to contact you. Oh, I would love to hear um, from everyone. My website is laurahomeshadad.com and there's a contact me form um, as well as an events listing of where uh, what I'm doing and where I'm speaking. Um, and my book is available anywhere books are sold um, as well as a, as a download. Um, as well as an audio format in a compact disc, um, or you can download that as well, which I found really helpful um, when I was sick that I couldn't always read um, the paper copy. Uh, yeah, so, so they can get I either. I hope it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all online, and that's all on your website, Laura Holmes. It's all on my website, yes, and, and more you know, photos of me and um, of what I've been doing um, in terms of advocacy as well, You know, really trying to bring... Um, awareness about the patient perspective um, in the cancer world. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on the program. It was wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thrilled to be here. Thank you again. <laughs> Thank you. Stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this first half hour of our program. We'll be back with another guest right after the break. Right here on voiceamerica.com, I'm Patricia Raskin with The Patricia Raskin Show. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.